We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to Irish Breakdown Mailbag. It is the best day of the week for at least one person in this room. There's no doubt who that is. That is Vince. It is his favorite day of the week. That means it is Friday. That's the only day you can get Vince to dance like that, either on Friday or when you start talking about Friday. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. I always thought it's because you were in school, but you're like that during the summer too. Vince loves Love the mailbag. He loves Love the mailbag. Love the mailbag. Love it. I am Brian Driscoll, the publisher of Irish Breakdown, joined by my man, Vince D'Addario, our football analyst, and our director of recruiting up there over my left shoulder, Ryan Roberts. They're just kind of staring down at me, weighing on my shoulders today. Uh, this would be my uh, bad angel and my good angel right here is kind of how we look at it. Uh, you know, that's how we did, that's how we roll. So, uh, let's, hey, guys, let's get rocking and roll. we got a lot of stuff. I mean, there, it's been such a crazy – July is usually like our kind of our chill time. Nope, nope, it won't <laughs> nope. be. It's nope. going to be crazy. June ended with a bang. July is going to just be even crazier. We are going to have two shows today. Reminder, we're going to go live tonight at 6 p.m. It's going to be me and Ryan. You're going to tonight. You'll be with me, right? You'll be with me tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, and we're going to be uh, covering the pending decision of Micah Bell. So we'll talk about that tonight. But uh, another Micah is kind of where we're going to start our first question uh-huh. here. Uh, Jordan Schreiber said, is there going to be a Micah tease episode? Uh, somebody also asked me if I'm going to be if, if we have a dancing gif on our message board for the Micah tease news that he's going to be making a decision on Monday. Uh, no, we will not. We will not have a show when he makes his decision, nor will we will we have any dancing gifts because of anything related to Micah Tease. He has not been because he, none of our dancing gifts have been because of him. And if you're on, you have to be on the message board to know that is none of them have been because of him. Uh, we've been hearing some good things uh, lately that Notre Dame was uh, trending, but it looks like this is going to go in another direction. I'm not going to say a whole lot else, guys, because I don't want to ruin the kid's moment, but I'll say it's it's not who we thought it was going to be. Let's just say that. <laughs> right. in, inter- interesting, interesting is the word. Ooh. Yes. 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 Interesting yes. Is the word. And that's about all that we'll, we'll all, we'll, it's all about all we'll say. So, uh, and our guy, Irish for Life, is in the chat. He had one of the first comments. Uh, I know you're going through a tough time, buddy. Uh, we're definitely praying for you, man. Keep your head up. And of course, you can be here with your Irish Breakdown family to, to help keep your mind off things a little bit and enjoy, at least for a couple hours, a little bit of fun and, and Notre Dame and college football talk. So, 
Let's kick it off, guys. We knew this was going to be right. a hot topic of conversation. He's going right? to say, I wonder what we're going to talk yeah. about. Today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Happy Friday mailback from Shane O'Shea. I'm strongly mm. in favor of Notre Dame staying independent, but if they were forced to join the expanded Big Ten, do you see any positives? Go ahead, Ryan. You go ahead and kick this one off, buddy. I mean, I talked about it a little bit on Twitter yesterday, man. I just it, look. There's a lot of speculation out there right now because we're just there's an assumption that it's it's just going to be these super conferences. They're not going to play anything out of conference. Everything is going to be intertwined. So you have to get in before you get left behind, right? Like that's I feel like that's what most people's opinions are of the situation. And it's situation. been that way every single time. There's been conference realignment. Sorry, I just right. had exactly. No, 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 you're absolutely right. That's that's where I was about to go with it because I am on the I'm on the the firm stance here. I still think that. Notre Dame has much more benefit being independent than being in a conference. That is first and foremost. And number two, I think there's a lot of speculation on what it's hundred percent going to look like. And we don't know that. Right. So until I have a firm understanding of what the landscape is hundred percent going to look at, look like I am sticking firm with, I think independent is the best way for Notre Dame to be moving forward. We've talked a lot about the big 10. I think that the natural one would be the, the ACC. If that's one of the conferences that sticks if it's the SEC versus the Big Ten, then that's a different conversation, right? But again, it's a lot of speculation right now, which makes this conversation a little loaded and a little – there's just a lot of layers to kind of peel back. But I, I, the biggest one is obviously strength of schedule will never be a question anymore. You have the conference championship in theory. So, like, those things are going to go in Notre Dame's favor, but I still think ultimately independent gives you a lot more pluses than going into a conference, in my opinion. The, the only, and I, I said this last night, and I will continue to say it, I'm, number one, Notre Dame's not 100% driven by money, as some people claim to think that they are. Number two, as long as Notre Dame... Not when it comes to conference decisions. Right. That, that's Fair what enough. we're saying. Right? Yeah, that's, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because if, they, if it was, Notre Dame would have gone into a conference a long time ago because they would have right. made more money. Period. Right. They, they the, would have. The, the decision makers at Notre Dame, and I believe Pete Sampson had an article about this, and you, I don't pr- pr- you know promote pre- Pete Sampson much, but when he, this is the kind of thing he's good at. He had an article a couple of years ago about what people don't understand is Notre Dame not being a, 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 in a conference helps them make even more money in fundraising and those type of things than they would make if they joined right. a conference and they would lose that because then they would become a regional school. Correct. And that's what people don't understand. So Notre Dame cares about money. It's they don't they don't chase after the TV dollar right. like everybody, which is what everybody is talking about, which right, is why exactly. they've been with NBC all these years, because right. it mattered more to them to be by themselves than to maximize. Right. I mean, I guarantee you ESPN and CBS and Fox have offered Notre Dame bigger deals than NBC in the past. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And they Guaranteed. will when the NBC contract comes up in a few years. I mean, that's that's a guarantee. The only thing that I think pushes Notre Dame into a conference is if for some reason the college football playoff blocks their entrance into right. the playoff because you have to right. be a conference member. That's or the they only thing. Or they can't schedule. That's the only other thing. Like right. these conference, these two conferences, they hey, just can block only everybody out. These two 20 plus team mega conferences say you can't play anybody else outside the conference. That would be the only other thing that would, would force it. And until right. then, like it's, you know, Oh, but, they're but I don't see that happening either that, because of the right. money. The, the, right. These schools make a ton of money. Like, here's the thing. Notre Dame why would you schedule? think that the TV deal people wouldn't want Notre Dame to come on? And, and why do why do you think they want Notre Dame to be an independent? I mean, if anything, if if, if you're a if you're a money maker, and, and again, mm-hmm. 
the part of this is like being creative and, and having some common sense. And I think a lot of people making decisions right now are just chasing the dollar and they don't have a lot of common sense. You know, like USC and Texas and Oklahoma have hurt their chances to play for championships because they're chasing the almighty dollar. Correct. If anything, it's like they should hire someone who, if they're going to go down this road of, of kind of forming this independent, which is essentially what it's going to turn into, whether it's official or unofficial, mm-hmm. this, this independent, and we're going to do a show on this very soon. I promise you probably next week where we're going to just focus on this issue because I have a lot to say about it. But I want the smoke to settle, and 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 I want to be able to talk with the guys because, like, last time in the 12-team playoff thing, we just immediately came on the show, and I just kind of had this very strong, heartfelt opinion. Vince was like, uh, maybe you might want to rethink that. And so we'll, we'll have these conversations, and Vince's point was very valid, and I was like, you know what? I see where you're coming from, and I think that I was wrong in my assessment. So I don't want to just have that immediately, like, emotional reaction on the show. The, mm-hmm. the thing about this whole thing is if you – I would hire someone who's, like, kind of has a background in entertainment. Because if anything, you you want foils, right? Like that's the thing is like you bring Notre Dame on, let them have their own deal. Notre Dame doesn't need the seventy million that the Big Ten is giving. Like if you if Fox News was smart, if Fox Sports was smart, and I think they are, because they're trying to battle ESPN and say, hey Notre Dame, we'll offer you guys thirty million a year to come and be a part of what we do, and we're going to give you you get the three thirty spot every week, and we'll give you two p.m. slots of your choosing, right? which is basically what they have now with NBC. Right. And we'll give you $30 million. I think Notre Dame would jump at that chance, in my opinion. And it'd be smart for them to do that because then you still have that team that everybody loves to hate. That's good for business. Yep. Like Notre Dame loses that if they're in a conference. Because part of what makes this thing unique is other than USC and Navy and Stanford, Notre Dame doesn't play the same teams every year. You join a conference and you lose that luster. You lose your value. Your brand takes a hit. It, and that's not just true for Notre Dame, but that's true for Fox. In 10 years, Notre Dame isn't the same team that they were from a brand standpoint because they're not this independent national program. It would make sense for you as a business model. I mean, just a pure business model to say, we'll pay you, even if it was like, we're going to pay you $20 million less than what we're paying all of our conference members. Notre Dame is like, cool, right? Because Notre Dame is going to make that money up by playing these teams because they get payouts to play on the road, which you don't get when you're playing a conference game, right? right. You're going to get, you're still going to have this national brand. You're still going to be able to travel. You're going to make all your boosters and donors happy by playing out in California, playing in New York, playing the Shamrock game, all that other kind of stuff. But now the TV is making money because now they have their Notre Dame segment. And as we've said before, people say, well, you know, you can't have a pregame show. Well, they don't have a pregame show at NBC. They have like a 20 minute intro to the game. That's it. They don't have like, you know, it's not even all that that good Monday night football. It's terrible. Yeah. And then when they cut away to the studio, they start talking about the NFL and horse racing and all this other crap that nobody (laughs) cares about. You know what I mean? So they would get a much better show. And then they'd get like segments on Fox sports, the big noon kickoff. They'd have their Notre Dame segment, all this other kind of stuff. It would be great for Notre Dame, but you don't have to, don't have to join a conference to get that. Right. And and if the Big Ten and the Ace in the in these other conferences are smart, say, hey, look, we don't need you to come on as a partner. You know, it, like Ever says, well, uh, for the Big Ten, it's either Notre Dame comes on as a, a every sport or not. That, that's bad business because they're not going to do that, right? And are you better off paying them forty million for for membership in uh, every other sport, and then you get the five game deal like the ACC has now, or nothing at all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I just. This is the thing. There's a lot of people that don't know how how Notre Dame thinks and operates, and this goes to Vince's point. 
a lot of people look at it just because USC is chasing the money. That's because their school has got its own issues, right? And Notre Dame doesn't live in that universe. They never have lived in that universe. Notre Dame has its completely different branding thing, like Vince was saying. And it's not just about the TV money. And this is right. what people miss out on. Exactly. Notre Dame isn't hurting for money because they don't have a, a big as big of a TV no. deal as the other teams. No. And if they wanted one, they could have they would have joined a conference years ago. I mean, the Big exactly. Ten has always had an open invitation to Notre Dame to join the conference. And that it just so I just don't think and people at Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame fans for the most part get this, even the ones that want them to join a conference, they kind of get that. Some yeah. most of them. But people outside just they have this thing like, well, this is oh, it it, it the Notre Dame's not gonna have a choice now. O- okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out trade coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Can we, sure. can we wait? They, they, they're, 100% they're, have a choice. They're going to have a choice until they don't have a choice anymore, right? Like, it, right. This, this is why I'm getting so frustrated with this conversation because, to your point, Brian, Notre Dame's different, so everybody hates them, right? right. Oh, man, why do they get to do that? Why do they get to stay independent? Blah, 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 whatever. Then I'm on Twitter yesterday. 
Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt uh, you. No, Go no, ahead. you're no, you're fine. <laughs> I, I was just I was on Twitter yesterday, and people were like, "Oh, Notre Dame has to do it now. Like they, they like it's time. It's it's over. They have to do it before they get left in the dust." They're not going to leave Notre Dame in the right. dust. Bingo. Evaluate what type of brand Notre Bingo. Dame is. That they're going to be left in the dust. Any of these conferences wants Notre Dame in it. It's their money makers, man. Like, and that, and that's south of that. So the five minutes after the college football playoff announces that you have to be a conference champion to make it into the college football playoff or whatever it is that blocks Notre Dame, the bidding war will commence for Notre Dame to be in any conference that is still viable at that point. It will be a bidding war. Don't tell me that Notre Dame doesn't have leverage. They will have leverage forever until they join a conference, and then they don't have leverage And then they lose it. And that's exactly why people want them to join a conference. Exactly. That right there is exactly why people want Notre Dame to join a conference, so then they can just be like everybody else. They will always have leverage. It's a power struggle. It's a power struggle. They're trying to knock Notre Dame down a peg. They love parity. I have to think that Jack Swarbrick's smarter than that. I have to think that. Now – if Notre, and if Notre Dame was going to join a conference, as I said before, it's going to be on their terms. <clears throat> and it's going to be something where they work out some deal with the ACC or they form something. I would much rather see them go – because here's the stupidity of this whole thing. <clears throat> these teams are building themselves up to separate into groups. You're going to get these 24-team SEC conference that's going to have like two to four divisions, and these teams aren't going to play that much anymore. So it's like, why not – come together with the big 12 and say, Hey guys, let's partner together. We're going to still get ours. You're going to get yours. Cause we're going to bring you on and we're still going to have the conferences and we're going to sign some kind of scheduling pact, you know, where this is how it's going to be because the, the money's still going to be there. So like, you're going to join these mega conferences. You can split up to basically 12 to 12 team conferences anyway, or, you know, four, six teams or however many four teams. And you're still going to not play most of the teams in your league hardly ever. It's just it's just so stupid. It also kind of goes to show that the Pac-12 and the ACC severely, severely screwed over. There was a, an article, I think Dan Wetzel wrote it, and, and I didn't read the whole article, but the premise I agree with, when the Pac-12 and the ACC rejected the new playoff format for some whatever stupid reason they came up with, they basically screwed themselves over. Like, you tried to wield a hammer that you aren't strong enough to wield. Exactly. Right. Like you tried to pick up Molnir and you aren't worthy. You know what I'm saying? And and now the rest of the conference, like, okay, screw you then. You know what I mean? Like we were willing to drag you along, you know, Big Ten and SEC, we we're willing to bring you losers along. You know, <laughs> you and your $20 million TV deals, we we're willing to bring you along. And then you vote down the 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 thing with that had automatic, you know, playoff bids for you, you know, that, that you were gonna do this and you're gonna do that. And then you guys wanted to go do your own thing, fine. Go do your own thing and go, you know, go team up with the AAC. You know what I mean? Go team up with the Mountain West yeah. and have fun with that while we leave you behind because nobody gives a crap about Texas Tech or Oregon State or whatever. And there's one market in the Pac-12 that matters. One. And, that and it's now part of the Big the, Ten. It's now part of the Big Ten. It, you know what I mean? And you screwed yourselves mm-hmm. over. And look, the reality is if the, if the if the ACC doesn't beg Notre Dame to join and then give Notre Dame like whatever it wants. I mean, hey, Notre Dame, here's a blank contract you write in what you want you write in your terms what's going to happen is in the next year florida state's going to bail for the sec florida state's struggling financially struggling financially they're not going to be able to say to the acc okay yeah we're going to keep your 26 million dollars tv deal 
and we're going to turn down 60, 70 million from the SEC because we just love being in the ACC. Bullcrap. There's no loyalty left anymore. They're going to take that money and run. If sure. the ACC doesn't do something big, like I had hoped that the Big Ten would show leadership, anti-SEC leadership. That was my hope, but, you know, Kevin Warren's an idiot. And Your the, pipe dream. The, the, the 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 leadership of the Big Ten schools are are greedy losers who are academic <laughs> academics, not business people, right? And so it wasn't going to happen. And this is kind of where we are. If the ACC doesn't do something, if they just sit back and wait, they will become non-existent because the Big Ten is and the SEC are not going to stop here. They're, they're right. not. Agreed. And they're gonna they're gonna eat themselves, right? They're gonna end up going too far and hurting themselves because again, these aren't business people. Right. That's the, that's the reality. That's why these stupid things keep happening. And it's too late for the NCAA to step in and do anything because they're just they're, they've, they've allowed too much to happen. There's too many cowards. But if the ACC doesn't do something quick and do something heavy, then they're going to be in trouble. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what that move is. I don't know if CBS has enough money to do this. I don't know if Fox is willing to bring them on. I don't I don't know what that is. I don't know if Notre Dame can kind of. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that Fox wants Notre Dame. Now, will this Big Ten move change that? I, I don't know. That's and that's not that's not anything new. Does Notre Dame have enough pull with Fox to bring the ACC into the into the fold or not? I don't know. Uh, is Fox willing to do what they need to do to get the you know get the ACC out of the ESPN contract? I mean, is that even possible? I know Notre Dame can get out with a big fee, but can the whole conference get out? I don't know the answer to those things. But whatever the ACC is going to do, it's going to have to do it quick because Florida State's not going to wait around forever. They they are hurting for – I mean, that's the reason Jimbo left. Their facilities have fallen way behind. They just don't have the money flowing into that program that, that SEC schools do. And a lot of it is because the, the, they rely for more, far more on the TV money than Notre Dame does. Oh, absolutely. And that's the reality, especially these state schools. And that's what COVID has brought about. This, this is not being discussed enough. The whole COVID thing – really shook a lot of people in college sports because what they realized is, is when sports were canceled, they realized like we were living way outside of our budgets because they weren't getting the same money back from, you know, stadiums and, and, and the TV deals and all this other kind of stuff. And they realized like we were living outside of our means, right? We were relying solely on this stuff over here. And so many teams took big hits financially during the COVID thing. And because if you're living outside your means and you lose a period, you can't then rebuild your war chest, so to speak, because you're already spending more than you're getting in or as much as you're getting in and, and you're distributing it to this program. This, it, because th- these things, especially state schools, they pay for so much of everything on campus, the TV deals, the the revenue from games, and it just pays for so much of the stuff on campus. And, and, and they're realizing like, wow, like we need that even more than we realized. And as this arms race has taken off and the Big Ten's getting 50 million a year and the SEC's getting 40, 50 million a year, and that's going to raise up to 60, 70 next, they're realizing like, yeah, imagine what that could do for us. And it's all about greed and, you know, bad business policies and all the other kind of stuff. But they're not going to wait around out of loyalty to the ACC. They will sell the ACC out on heart because let's not forget the last time Notre Dame won a national title, Florida State was an independent. Right. They haven't been in the ACC that long. This isn't like they have 90 years of tradition like the USC, like USC had with the Pac-12. I mean, that, that's a tradition where you're talking about selling out, like just complete sacrificing your entire tradition for money. That's what the, the, the Pac-12, or USC and UCLA did the Pac-12. I don't believe that that's the same for, the ACSA, for Florida State because they don't have a long tradition. They haven't even been in the ACC my entire lifetime. 
I, I think I was a teenager when they joined the ACC or close to it. Because a reminder, when Notre Dame won the title in 1988, Florida State was an independent. So they didn't join the ACC. Sometime between 88 to 93 is when Florida State joined the ACC. So um, that's the domino to me that's going to collapse the ACC. If they can't make a move and they're going to need – I mean, guys, can they even do it without Notre Dame? No. I don't think they can. I don't see the move so. for the ACC without Notre no, Dame. No, because they're going to have to renegotiate their TV deal, right. and they're only going to have a strong footing to renegotiate that TV deal for big money right. if Notre Dame's involved. Right. And that's the only way they're going to be able to hold on to the Florida States, the Clemsons, the Miamis of the world. Period. Right. End of discussion. Well, right. well, and, you, and you said they have to do something drastic, and that's something drastic, right? Pulling someone like Notre Dame into the folds. I mm-hmm. think that that can reverse some momentum. I don't even know if it completely closes the momentum, though, because it's right. just – with how it's trending right that's just the the reality and somebody said miami will jump ship too miami may jump ship but miami's a different animal miami's a private school and and they've got a much bigger donor base that's the thing that people gotta understand is a, a school like miami that's a phenomenal school and say well you know why doesn't florida state's a a mediocre to bad public school they're not producing the the donors that miami produces that duke produces that that notre dame produces they don't have quite the volume of students like a Michigan or an Ohio State who are just massive schools, right? Mm-hmm. They're just, it's just a different animal. It's just a real different animal. And so that's why Miami's a little, that doesn't mean Miami, if Miami leads for the SEC, it's for different reasons. It's not because they have to because they're hemorrhaging money like Florida State is. They'll, they may do it, but it's going to be more of just because they want the payout. And they, and they see, because here's the thing if the ACC doesn't move too, if you're, if you're Clemson, if you're Miami, if you're Florida State, teams that they want, if you're North Carolina and Duke, who the Big Ten wants, what's your reason to stay in the ACC right now if they just sit back and do nothing? Right. There isn't one. Like, you guys are you guys are clueless. Like, you guys don't have a clue what you're doing. Like, you know, like, what, what, what I think it's like if there's like a two-year buyout, you got to pay two years worth of what your TV con- contract, but that's fine. That's we'll, we'll make that up in two years being in the Big Ten. Right. For, you know, if, if you're paying For us 26 sure. and the Big Ten's going to pay us 60, We'll make, I mean, I'm not great at math, guys, but you're going to make that up pretty freaking quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's the difference. So it, it's, man, it's going to be wild. So if it's it's kind of like, hey, ACC, it's your move. What are you going to do? Because right now it's the big two. No, they do need else. to make a move because otherwise, you know, you're going to have two power conferences and ACC is going to get yeah. left behind, just like the yeah. Big 12 and the Pac-12. 10, right. yeah. whatever number they go by these days. I mean, yeah, seriously. They'll be the Pac-10 here soon, right? The Big Ten's going to have 20-some teams. It's like, you know, like I always joke, you wonder why kids are sucking math now. It's because, like, well, <laughs> it's the Big <laughs> 16. It's going to be the Big 16. The Pac-12 is going to go back to the Pac-10. The Big 12 then... has had 10 teams forever. The Big, t- <laughs> Big 10's had, tw- you know, four. You know, it used yeah. to be the Big 10. At least you can – it used to be as funny when they got – at least the Big 10 plus one. You can at least have some fun with it. You know, you can boo the 10 with, like, the one. You know, the, remember how they do that? They had, like, the big oh, yeah. 10, it's, and then they it's in the one yeah. kind of cut into the 10 thing. Like, whatever. But now it's like you got 16 freaking teams, and they're going to keep growing. You know, like Washington and Oregon. Reports are that Washington and Oregon have petitioned to join the big 10. And, you know, that's a decent market. Seattle's a decent market. There's nothing in it for them for Oregon other than just getting a good sports program and the Phil Knight money. That would be the only reason to get them. It's not a TV market. But Seattle's a decent-sized TV market, I think. Sure. But are people in Seattle really going to care about watching Washington take on Rutgers and Indiana and Purdue? And I'm not going to give a crap about that. No, don't badmouth Rutgers, man. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. Just like no people in New Jersey and New York don't even care about Rutgers. I love that. Yeah. There was somebody that said, oh, the Big Ten has the, has the New York market with a stranglehold. Do they though? Yeah. I mean, is Rutgers really 
the the the, the tie that binds right. New York together. Like, man, they're coming that. to Piscataway for a game. Like, oh, okay, I don't. Whatever. It only gives a crap. You know, uh, um, that's just nonsense. Like, let's be honest. If if Notre Dame played a game in New York, right? Again, and Ohio State played a game in New York. Does anybody think Ohio State would have more? You know what I mean? Like, right, have exactly. more. No, it's just, and that's okay. It's fine. It just people just need to understand kind of the, the business behind this of why Notre Dame does what they do. And nothing frustrates me more than when fan bases of other teams, and we even see it now with with um, with some no, younger Notre Dame fans who think that this whole thing is about what happened in the 90s. Like You're out of your mind. Or the people say, well, this happened over 100 years ago with Fritz Chrysler. Hey, this happened multiple times. It started with Fritz Chrysler. It continued into the 50s, right? And, you know, it's like, uh, this is the, this is my favorite. Well, there no one no one ar- around now was alive then. I'm like, uh, you do realize the slippery slope that that creates, right? So, like, if you're going to say, well, look, you know, the KKK sucked 50 years ago, but all those guys are dead. It's a bunch of new people. Well, it's the same freaking, you know what I mean? Like, and until they step up and say, like, you know, I'll tell you what, guys, this is going to be funny. This is my my pithy thing I'm going to say. I'm Notre Dame. Here's my here's my Big Ten. Hey, Big Ten calls. You know what my standard be fine. We'll join. Here's our one condition. Oh, you guys want to have certain? No, no, no. We'll play noon games. You guys play noon games. Well, no, no, no. We'll do that. We'll do that. We'll be in the West. That's fine. We have one condition: kick Michigan out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't even know what the response would be. I think yeah. the response would probably be just what mine was like. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's my, that's my, that's my, that's my one thing. And for people to say that the, the funny thing is somebody just put it in there. Somebody says that the history doesn't matter because Nerdy plays in the big 10 and hockey. Who <laughs> gives a crap about hockey? No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think this is a great comment from timeout Tom too, because Penn State used to be a national power, and this is a great point. Since joining the Big Ten, Penn State has been outsiders looking in. If Notre Dame could bring Penn State along with them to the ACC, it could make the ACC a viable option. I would not do that. I would take big the big the big the Penn State to a new league. That's what I would do. I would start a new league and say screw the ACC and just take teams from them is what I would do. But that's a different conversation for a different day. But I do think the point though is Penn State lost a lot of prestige. When once they join the Big Ten, yep. You look Notre Dame right now. Notre Dame is kind of on its own pedestal. The reason so many people in the media want Notre Dame to join a conference because they want to get Notre Dame off that pedestal. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. It, that a thousand percent. That's why ESPN. Won. I mean, th- there's the we want them because we know we can make money off of them. But by making money off of them, we're also bringing them down. And I'm gonna say something right now, we, we, and we I'm gonna leave it them. here. Right. The next year to two years is going to a large, largely, if Notre Dame chooses to stay independent now, here's where I think things could change. If Marcus Freeman is who we think he is, the next two years is going to allow Notre Dame to remain an independent program, no matter what happens. And that is, if Notre Dame can win a title in the next two years, two to three years, as this whole thing shakes out, probably the next two, because 22 and 23, 24 is when the Big Ten USC and UCLA join. I think Texas and, and Oklahoma are joining the SEC in 23. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, and that's and then you kind of Notre Dame's TV contract is up and all that kind of stuff. If Notre Dame can win a title either this year or next, and preferably this year because who knows what's going to be yeah, true yeah. In, in two years. 
we're at least close enough to the season now where it's like, you know, certain things are going to happen during the season. If Marcus Freeman is who we think he is, that is the leverage that Notre Dame needs to say, look, we just won a title. You're going to literally leave out a national champion from your deal. Right. Really? Because if Notre Dame wins a title these next two years, think of the teams they're going to play, the teams they'd have to beat, and the eyes that are going to be on them. And every single time Notre Dame is good, it was whether it was Georgia in 2019 or Clemson in 2020, those games are always some of the most heavily televised games in the country. And the only other games that match are the big rivalry games. Right. And so if they don't, however, if they're, if they're just kind of more the same, that is the thing that gets me a little bit concerned about how the, the, the big leagues could kind of start trying to throw their weight around to gang up on Notre Dame, because once the ACC dies, then there's less leverage for Notre Dame against those other leagues. Because those other leagues can kind of say, hey, we're going to have Notre Dame's back. We're going to protect Notre Dame. The Big 12 is going to protect Notre Dame with the holding out of hope that maybe that that when Notre Dame is forced to join a league, it'll be us. And the ACC will do the same thing. The Big 10 is going to know that the Notre Dame does not want to join the SEC. They're going to know that. And I personally would rather join the SEC than, than playing the Big 10 for many reasons. But uh, – that's that's the thing is the next two years could ultimately silence all of this because if if Jack Swarbrick can kind of go around with a national title in his back pocket when he's doing TV deal negotiations yeah, with that, Fox or that wields a lot know, of CBS or you know who right now doesn't have anything you know um, and I don't know if they want to get back into college football I don't know I don't know what their financial situation is but that would be the thing that would allow Notre Dame to to wield a seriously seriously big stick. Anything else you guys want to add before now that my rant is over? Anything else you guys want to add before we move on to other stuff? You sure we need a show next week? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to add? No. Okay. Nope. Good. No, I just I I I just can't stand ignorant people. Can I just say yeah. that out loud? Yeah. And then we'll move on. Well, there's a lot more of that now. What I've come to realize. <laughs> well, and there's a lot more of that because now those people have mouthpieces called Twitter, and it's, yeah. very, it's super annoying. I was, yeah. I was about to say social media has escalated. That Usually, probably. the 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 morons just kind of sat in their corner and right, or in their you basements. Can, you can know. shut the door on them right. and walk away. Yeah. You know, like I'm Mom, just not... meatloaf. Yeah. you know, like yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just oh, it's unbelievable, and I it is very difficult not to just fire back at people. I just you know what. I just do because I don't care, especially if I, I see that they don't follow me. Oh. Like, this is some moron from another fan base. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have some fun with you. So frustrating. I, I, I push back way too much as well, but I still yeah. do partake in this as well. Yeah. Let's Red football. Text <laughs> run with so much going on right now with college football, uh, NIL realignment in Notre Dame recruiting green jerseys. Can you give Irish breakdown? Uh, give an Irish breakdown of the 2005 recruiting class. It still haunts me. Ooh. Um. Red text run, I don't know what you're referring to. The 2005 recruiting class, in my memory, doesn't exist anymore. I have completely blocked it out, uh, <laughs> so I don't know what you're referring to. I didn't know Notre Dame had a recruit, recruiting class. Well, they didn't really. I'm, I'm looking this up right now. It is so up. bad. It is one of the worst. It is one of the worst. coming off of the 2005 yeah. season. Can I read it? Go Can for it. Can I read it, it off? All yeah. right. We got, uh, um, according to 24-7 Sports, DJ Horde, top-ranked recruits there. Joey Hibben, mm-hmm. Paul Duncan. Joey Hibben was actually one of the better players uh, reputation-wise in that class. Yeah, he was 153, according to 24-7 yeah. Sports in the Nation. 
Michael Turkovich, who I remember, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Washington, Scott Smith. Oh my gosh. Evan Sharpley. Okay. I know him. <laughs> David Bruton, who's a decent player. Ray Herring, Patrick Kuntz, David Grimes, Kyle mm-hmm. McCarthy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Daryl Hand, mm-hmm. Asaf Schwab, and Steve Quinn. Wow. That's a forgettable class. Yeah. And it followed this class. <clears throat> David Walkie and David Bragg at quarterback. Darren Bragg at quarterback. Darius Walker and Justin Hoskins at running back. Darius Walker is a good player. Mm-hmm. The wide receiver that recruits name was the offensive line was Chance Incarnado. John, that's because they didn't sign a wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> John Cato. Linebacker Abdel Banda. You guys remember him? Nope. Maurice Crum. Exactly. Maurice Crum. <laughs> I remember him. Brandon Nicholas, Ronald Talley, Justin Brown were the linebackers, and then this vaunted DB class. They had Anthony Vernaglia was a linebacker. Uh, they had the DB class of Treg Duerson, Junior Jabby, Leo Farine, and Terrell Lambert. Terrell Lambert's a good player. Lambert's Those were player, two yeah. years in back-to-back years. That is a dreadful two-year stretch. And people want to know, when people point to Ty Willingham's record, people that want to accuse Notre Dame of things, well, Ty had a better winning percentage than Charlie Weiss. Yeah, he did. But this is why Charlie Ty got fired. It's it's this right here. It's yeah. two years of miserable recruiting because there was no effort. And it's I've tw- shared the Mark Sanchez story before on this site too. I mean, it it was that's why he got fired after three years. Davey at least worked. Share the Mark Sanchez story again. I don't think I've heard. Basically, that. he visit. Yeah, you, you and I've talked about. This. He visited campus. He shows up. Okay. None of the coaches are around. <laughs> it's an unofficial visit during the summer. None of the coaches are around. And, you know, and all of a sudden, like, eventually Bill Diedrich shows up and you know, Ty was nowhere to be found. As the story goes, Kevin White gets wind of the fact that, like, the number one player in the country is on campus and Ty's nowhere to be found. He calls Ty. Ty's playing golf. And Kevin White makes him leave the golf course to come meet with Mark Sanchez. He has to make him? Like, I, Okay. Yep. You, I yep. mean, in 2004 or three or whenever that was, you could be like, well, I didn't know he was going to be on campus to communicate. Yeah. I'll be right there. You know, that's part of, of that 05 class, that miserable 05 like, class. I'll be right there. You know, yeah. not, oh, come on. I've only got three holes to go. Just yeah. tell him to hold on a second. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> that that yeah, 2005 was class was ranked by 247 as the 39th ranked class in the country. Yeah. That's, which yeah. is higher than what Michigan is currently ranked. So oh, anyway, yeah. um, hello. <laughs> and LSU, right? Is it LSU? Yes, is the boys right out there? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I got another microphone. Oh, right, I'll drop it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please don't. That one still works. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was just, I mean, that's why Tywood got fired. It was, it was that stuff. It was just, just no work. Just put in no work. I mean, he made Brian Kelly look like a grinder. I was going to say, we make fun of Brian Kelly for golfing and doing things. But, yeah, he was a grinder in comparison. I agree with you there. thousand percent. Yes. Blake Gajar, what are some realistic options for Notre Dame in 2023 quarterback position? Well, well, we'll dive into this. Blake, I wanted to pull this up because I I do want to say a couple things. But, Ryan, we're going to have a longer show about this next week probably yeah we'll dive into this next week um also novasad is a kid whose name is already out there i don't mind throwing that out there there's some other names we're hearing i don't want to start throwing names out there until we have an idea of if Notre Dame's legitimately going to make a run i know they're evaluating options but i'm going to remind people that notre dame has not stopped recruiting dante Moore. right i mean right, I, right. I think they're they're going to kind of see like just keep 
keep going until he decides something else. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, we're still feeling like what we've been told recently is true. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're not done with that one yet. And he hasn't made a decision. He hasn't made a public decision yet. As but, far as we know. Can I, can I ask a quick question about that? I'm sure yes. people are wondering. So with this USC, UCLA, Pac-12 question marks all over the place, does that put the Oregon crystal balls and everything in jeopardy based on what that conference might look like by the time he gets there? Someone asked me that yesterday. I'm just curious so your guys' thoughts. We can that. only give our opinion on that. Right. So, so I want to let – no, no. I want to let everyone know that what's about to follow, mm-hmm. Ryan, I'll give you your, the, the chance Andrew says. This is our opinion. It's way too – Dante was in Los Angeles yesterday at the Elite 11. He's just now getting home. Right. I doubt that he's had time to really digest process that yeah, and digest course. it. So this is 100% our opinion. So, mm-hmm. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and give your opinion on whether or not you think it will or won't have an impact. I, I don't think so. I think there's other factors that I'm not going to get into that are more important to this recruitment, at least from people close to Dante's side. And to your point, Brian, I mean, you just talked a little bit about that Oregon's petition to be in the Big Ten, right? So Oregon's a, a good football program. They have some fanfare. They have a name recognition, right? So they're not going to be left in the dust and just like, oh, what the heck is going to yeah. happen? Like, it's they're going to be in one of those super conferences because of Phil Knight, because of Phil Knight, I would imagine that they will be somewhere. I mean, yes. um, If, if it wasn't for Phil Knight, Oregon would get left out. They would because the, Mm -hmm. because this, you got people, do people understand this yet? This isn't about the quality of football programs. This Mm -hmm. is about the TV market. And it clearly has nothing to do with any of your other programs either, because people go to Oregon for the track program. And now track gets to run at uh, Wisconsin in March. And like, if, if, right. USC's baseball team is going to be coming to Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Ton of sense. sense. Yeah, exactly. Stupid. But it has nothing to do with sports. This is a thousand percent about TV markets and business deals. It's not about, does this make sense for football or baseball or whatever? I actually think it could have an impact on Dante just because he's such a smart kid, but I have no evidence that it will. Uh, you know, to me, it just, it just, I think the reason I'm hesitant to even give that opinion is because, like Ryan said, what if Oregon joins the Big Ten? That right. could actually help them with Dante. Yeah, for sure. If they get left out, it is, it could hurt them with, maybe not with his family or his handlers, but Dante's a smart kid. He's a pretty savvy kid. If, if they get left out and rejected by the Big Ten, then it could have an impact. If they join the Big Ten, then I think it helps because then he's going to get to play a bunch of road games back home in front of you know a, a more favorable audience, which is absurd. Yeah, uh, but you know it is what it is. But yeah, it could it could it could help them if they join. It'll I think it could hurt them if they don't. But it just depends on whether or not he he's going to make a decision now or if he wants to let this thing play out. There's a lot of moving parts for sure. I think where this might have an again, this is 100% my opinion. Where it might have an impact is let's say he was going to commit this week, he may want to step back and say, hold on, let me let me let this settle a little bit and see how it goes before I make a move. Yeah, reevaluate, reevaluate. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. Okay, let me see here. Tavis McKay asks, if Irish Breakdown had to design the Notre Dame Shamrock jersey for BYU game, what would it be and why? My choice would be something similar to the 2013 ones. Now, Notre Dame would be the home team, right? So I I didn't love the idea of the white one simply because you're supposed to be the home team. Okay. I had to look and see what the 2013 ones were. Okay. Yeah, it was those white ones, which were really sharp. Yeah, they were. I agree. numbers, and yeah, yeah, they were really sharp. You know... 
I would try to go uh, like for me, the Shamrock series is the game where you can do something fun. Like I'm okay putting Absolutely. a Shamrock helmet, a Shamrock on him. Like I heard you guys talk, and I think it was a show you were on, Sean, where you guys talking about like put a Shamrock and helmet. I'm completely opposed to putting anything on the helmet other than the number and like the you know the the brand or whatever NCA like stuff you have to have on there for your normal. I like the I like the uniqueness of just the gold helmet. I, I'm just I'm all about that. But I'm I'm not someone who's like never put anything on the helmet. It just better be something sharp or something good or something traditional. Like I hated the one the year was like half blue and half, half gold. Half, I thought that half was stupid. Half was dumb. There was the one year it looked like a kickball. Remember how the kickball had like the little indentations, yep, kickballs yep. growing up, and it looked like they had kickballs like on either. it. What, what, what year was that? Oh, oh, I know exactly what you're it talking was about. 2011, I think it was. It was, huh. it was, was that the Maryland game? I'm trying to think of which one that was. Speaking um, of ugly uniforms, horrible. yeah, oh yeah, but you mean the one where it looks like the Maryland somebody vomited the Maryland Maryland flag onto a helmet? I, I, yeah, I hate Maryland uniforms. So man. disgusting, They're so ugly. They're so I ugly. would like remember the 2011 game against Michigan when they put the gold shamrocks on the helmets with those throwback. I thought those were sharp. Those were super sharp. I really uh, like the that. ones but in 2011 were super sharp. I like those. So I would do something like that. Um, I would, I would maybe like throw like a, a, a shamrock. I thought the inner, I didn't like the helmets in 2014 overall, but I did like having the interlocking ND on the helmet. I thought that was cool. So maybe Those that the Yankee, the Yankee ones, that was that, 18. The 14 okay. was the one in Indianapolis against Purdue. Okay. Where they did like the throwback to like the dome and the Basilica and they had the, the different things on it. Remember that those were okay. Those were okay. They were like all blue. Yeah. You know, the basketball team has jerseys kind of like that these days. Yeah, with the, with the gold. No, I, yeah. I would do. I'd want to do something with green. That's my thing. Is my whole point of the Shamrock should be something. And like, I loved the video that Marcus Freeman did yesterday. That was like, hilarious. He, it spoke for so many Notre Dame fans. For you. Like, why are we doing an Irish wear green game and none of the Notre Dame the team doesn't wear green? Like, why doesn't Notre Dame bet, make better use of green? Like I've said, just for the normal uniforms, I would go to green cleats and green gloves. Or green cleats and gold gloves, but I'd say go green and green. I think that'd be super sharp. Like I just don't think the football team takes enough advantage of the green aspect of the program for me. And so I thought I think that'd be really cool. Uh, that's just that's just my two cents. But I would probably do something green. I just, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm not. I'm trying to think of how do I describe it. I mean, you guys can interject at any point in time. Like this is kind of just I, thinking out loud of what we'd, but something green, the green jerseys. I, I don't sure. like the green on the mustard gold. I think that like the 2018 green Jersey game, that was hideous. I what just about, thought that was ugly. What about 2016 versus army? The what those green ones. The, I didn't, had, it was like, like an ugly darker green. Yeah, I didn't like that. Green. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like that. I would like I like the bright Kelly green that the basketball team wears at the bait. Like when the baseball team wears the green jerseys, I think those look sharp. Kelly Not green the green on green, though. That's the one thing I don't I don't love green on green, though. No, I don't either. Yeah. Like I almost kind of like gold, green, and white is kind of what I think would be really sharp, you know? Um, but I don't like gold, green, and blue pants. I think you got to go green on both or green and white. I don't think the green and the gold go super great together for the pants because it's not a shiny, bright gold. You know what I mean? Like, I just have never liked the green jerseys with the the yellow, the, the yellow or gold pants. I just have never liked those. I'd go all green or I'd go white pants, to be honest with you. And kind of, you know, to me, that has like kind of an NFL feel 
you know, like the professional feel, you know. You um, like the um do you like the Eagles Kelly Greens? They usually wear the white, the white bottoms with those. I actually kind of like the Kelly Green Eagles jerseys. I traditionally do not like the Eagles jerseys at all, but the Kelly yeah. Greens I think are kind of sharp. I like the I like the brighter greens. I mean the Kelly to me, Kelly Green like is the, a brighter like the color green. on that you're wearing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like like Notre Dame wore in 2015 in Fenway. Yeah. The problem, the reason those those jerseys didn't look great on the on TV because you couldn't see the numbers and because it was bad lighting. It was baseball lighting, not football lighting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And but when you saw them up close, they were sharp. Like when when they Vince, I don't know if you remember this, but when they had them on the the dummy or the the mannequin. Yeah. Yeah. And those look sweet. Like they were one of my favorite ones. They just looked bad on TV and they were terrible in the press box. Like we couldn't see the numbers. Yeah. Like cuz they were green on green. I, so that they don't think about much. don't think about us when they No, uh, they don't. No. But that uh that's I, typical Under Armour like how is this I like white pants. I think white yeah. pants are clean. I I, yeah. I from a from a baseball standpoint, from a football standpoint, I like white pants. So I yeah. I'm down with the white pants maybe with a little bit of gold trim, golden green trim and then a green jersey. I think mm-hmm. would look really really good. Um as far as the helmet is concerned, if it's a if it's a Shamrock series helmet, Go with your, your normal gold helmet and you throw a green shamrock on there. I'm all about it. I think that yeah. you, you keep it very simple. Like it's very, they've gone overboard with the helmets uh, in yeah. some of these shamrock games. Like yeah. way too busy, way right. too much thinking about it. So I'm, I, right. I'm generally a simple guy anyway, as far right. as the jerseys were concerned. I mean, the, the Notre Dame jersey that I wore the other day in the show is basically what I patterned my Riley jerseys after. You know what I mean? Just right. classic look. And I like that in football too. Yeah. So you throw a shamrock on the side, a clean green jersey, white pants. I'm good to go. I think that. Yeah. What year? What what year was the what year was the jersey? Um, it was blue, with, and then the helmet had the splits in it. You know, that was about? 2012. 2012. It's Miami my, my, and, and Teo, Teo was still there, right? With yeah. that one, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now, if the results look like that, I, I'll wear whatever the heck they want to wear. You know what I mean? If the results are <laughs> sure. a forty-one to three beatdown, I'll take that uh, as well. Uh, the interesting, I, like, you know, what's funny? I, I, kn- very few fans liked the 2018 Fen- uh, Yankee Stadium uniform. I loved them. I did not. I, I didn't. I didn't like them either. <laughs> because of your playing in Yankee Stadium, like you're still honoring your I own colors. Reason. But your your own know. colors. I thought they looked sharp, and they and then those were some of the best looking in person. Like sitting up in the press box in Yankee Stadium, like those looked really sharp. But I like nobody liked those, and I thought because I thought that was an homage to where you were playing. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, nobody nobody liked those. Nobody no. liked those. I loved those. I loved it's, them. It's the same reason that I don't. I mean, I yeah. I will admit one hundred percent. And again, when I talk about that, I'm talking jersey pants. I hated mm-hmm. the helmet. It should always be a gold helmet to me. It was a blue helmet with like the circle. Yes. Thing. Yeah, with yes. the ND that and I, walking I'm ND. talking the, the jerseys, the yeah. pants, the, the pinstripes. The pinstripes. I don't. I, don't, yeah. I didn't like the pinstripes. Yeah. I think I pulled yeah. it off I, for me. I just. I and I look. I hate. I hate the Yankees. I hate the yeah. Yankees, and I think that's, that's part true. of it. That's yeah. definitely part of it for me. There's no question. But the team that I do follow, the Cubs, they they they're classic pinstripe team too. So I just didn't. I don't know. It doesn't look. It didn't look right on a football uniform to me. Yeah, I, I just I get that. I didn't dig it. 
I like Mace AK's idea. Do a helmet with the IB logo on the side. Now you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm I was, was, was going to say that, but I thought I sound too much like a homer, so I stopped. Vince is out. <laughs> oh, oh, Vince is oh, breaking oh. stuff. <laughs> Just breaking stuff over here. But see, you get the you get the IB logo right there. That's what we need. Be all of, I didn't want you to break your your printer and your baseball bat. To Pretty sure it broke my printer, but that's okay. It was worth it. That's how I broke my last printer, oh by the way. Gosh. The screen shattered because the bat fell. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, hope your players aren't watching that uh, monster, that, that atrocity of, of your grip on the baseball just now. <laughs> it's, it's not it's, broken. Everybody whew. can take a breath. Okay. It's not All broken. Right. Anyway, gold, green, white, or gold, green, green. That's some kind of uniform like that I would have. And I would want to have something traditional, like tied in with a uh, – like a um, – you know, like something embroidered, you know, something like that would be fun. But yeah. I, what do you think they're going to do because of Vegas? Like, are they going to have like the Vegas sign with an MD in the middle of it? They're going to do something stupid like that. Something know. like a green dollar sign. You know what? I like the ones they did in Chicago last year. I, I didn't like them at first. No, I, I um, actually, they were very simple. Yeah, I liked them to be honest with you. I hated I, them when they showed them. I'm not gonna lie; like when they okay. released them, like on Twitter, I was like, "These are I hate these." But then when you saw them, like okay, when you see them up close and personal, you see them on TV. They were great on TV. Yes, they were, and they looked really sharp in person. Like like when you saw the actual jerseys, and they, they were them off the mannequin or off the. Yeah. They were a little bit similar to those '88 throwback ones, just right. big numbers that you could see. Yeah. Very simple strike. Like I, I actually I dug those jerseys. I didn't like them at first either. I was like. That's it. That's what they came up with, you know. Right. And but I was like, you know what? I like I, yeah. that. Was I, Corey said Corey Flynn says they're too simple. I like simple. Right. That's how I roll, man. I, I think like you can simple. be flashy. I, I think see to me like like Oregon's uniforms. Eight out of ten of their uniforms, I think, suck. They're horrible because there's just too much going on. Right. And that's the like all the ones that Notre Dame has done that I've hated. It's because there's so much like the 2012 the Ryan game the game where like it was like half. You know, gold. It was half blue, and it's just oh, way too, too much, much going on. Like, you know, I think simple can be sharp if you do it right. You know, and that—that's my thing. Is like, like I said, something really nice green with white pants and some kind of like blue, gold, and white your know, blue, gold, and uh, green stripes on the side or something like that with gold helmets with a with a shamrock or an interlocking ND. I kind of think that would be kind of or shamrock interlocking ND, right? But still the gold helmet, something like that. I think it'd be sharp. I like simple. I think if you do it right, simple, sharp, simple can be really sharp. I agree. Like just throwing a bunch of different crap on there to distract just you to with do colors it. and designs. Yeah, just, just not just to do it. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not my thing. Ryan, have you said kind of what you would like to see? I would say this. I am not the person to ask for what looks good personally. This is what I consider looking good. So if, if right. you're not Ryan was a linebacker taste. and an offensive lineman, I forgot. Yeah, that. I Vince used, was I used a to wear, receiver. I was a quarterback. We yeah. Like, yeah. I, I used to, I used to wear a butterfly extending um, neck roll and ha- wore no gloves. So that's my that's my swag. Man. You oh yeah okay i can guys. dig that i, love I can that. dig that i, 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 I was that. one of those i, was I can dig that one of those guys he would have been a neck that. roll guy if he was our age vince yeah exactly the, the yeah. tie with the tie yeah. like tied up with a shoelace yep. <laughs> he definitely would have been a neck roll sh- guy yep, yep. 
the fact that he doesn't know what you're talking about too is also funny. <laughs> oh, I you know, oh, I know it. I know. I so, know. I've seen. I've seen them all, man. The cowboy collars, the the butterflies. Yep. I've seen it all. Seen He'd have been a neck roll guy if he was our age. There's You're not no wrong. About it. And I love that. About Which him. you know, that's a lot of the guys in the '88 defense were that way. Too. Yep. Here's a good one. I'll ask you guys this as well. Tavis McKay also oh, asked Brian if you were calling plays for Notre Dame versus Ohio State and all went went to plan. What would be your first five play calls? Are we doing a script right now? Are we, right, are we getting the script going? <laughs> Well, the first thing you have to understand about me is on the first five plays, I'm going to have three different personnel groupings and five different formations. Just and I'm on a motion on at least three of them. You're throwing them all out Because to me, that's what the early script is more so about. I want to see what you're going to do to what I'm trying to do, more so than play calls. Like, And that's what a lot of fans got to understand about scripts. Scripts are – I mean, the play call is important. you got to call a play you think it's going to work. But one of the things you're trying to feel out is how are they going to – How are they going to adjust? How are they, how are they going to line up? Like, I'm calling an inside zone play, but I'm going to get a shift in emotion because I want to see how they're going to move to that, not just to try to create a leverage or numbers advantage in the run game, but I want to see how they're going to come back to that because if they do this, then I'm coming back with exactly. this play that we think is going to work, with yep. a, you know, a pass concept or whatever. So that's the first thing to understand is – First five plays, I'm going 11 personnel at least once. I'm going 12 personnel at least once. I'm going 21 personnel at least once. First five plays a game. Just to throw something at them, you know. Um, so that would that would be what I would do. Kind of get them thinking. The other thing, too, is I want to get them after that first series. I want them to spend the whole next time out thinking about, well, gee, we weren't expecting this, or we what do we do for that? And then, then I'm coming back with some of my other stuff. That's what I would do, guys. I would make sure that I get at least one empty set early on because, again, I want to see how they handle empty. Yeah. Now, line up an empty. You can motion back inside and run the football, but I'm starting out an empty. I want to see how they're going to line up to empty. Uh, then I would maybe have a play in the first 10 where we're going to start off in a base set and then boom yeah, out to shift empty. Shift to empty, yeah. Right, and I want to see how they handle that. Yep. <clears throat> I'm going to have at least one uh, designed run to the quarterback in the first five. I'm going to have a you know an inside zone or a duo call in the first five. I'm going to have a play action deep shot in the first five. Outside of that, it's just about kind of doing what you do. You know, I'd probably have a couple of run calls with RPOs, maybe a counter with an RPO. I'd probably call four runs in, in a play action. That's probably what I would call the first five. Mm. I would just make sure I had RPOs built in to just there you go. Maybe all but one of those that's runs, so I can get the ball out right. So you can't, and you nice can't be wrong, and you and you can't be wrong. Like right. that's that's the biggest thing. It's like I'm not. I don't want to call stuff that I could potentially be wrong about, right. but you build in things that so you're right. not wrong, that the defense is wrong. Right. That's what you want to do. Yeah, so I'd probably call like a counter, uh, an art, uh, an inside zone, you know, a, a, a re- the only the only pure run would be a read zone. I would want to call one where I want to see what, what their backside does. I want to see how they handle that backside and if they're going to bring that guy down. Well, and I would and, also have a I'd have like an orbit motion off of yeah. that as well just to see okay, if we're looking at the backside, what do you do when I motion somebody at the same time? Yeah. I would actually I mean? and I would orbit away from where I'm where the quarterback oh. would pull and run to. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of what I would do. And again, you know, with what how Ohio State lines up, we're getting deep in the weeds here, buddy. I yeah, love I mean, it. like you know, <laughs> I know what Jim Knowles did with the personnel at Oklahoma State. Part of this too is I want to see how Jim Knowles is going to react to different things with the Ohio State personnel, right? As opposed to just coming lining up in eleven personnel and going two by two or three by one for five plays, where you're just not really stressing them in any kind of way. I want to stress them early to see how they handle it. Uh, but when you do that, there to me, there's two ways to do it. One is you kind of stay somewhat simple with your your alignments so you can maybe get a little bit more complex with your play calls. 
with a which I might do if I had a veteran quarterback because hey maybe we can steal a we can steal a play here because they blow a coverage because we flooded this zone or right. whatever and they blew a coverage with a first year coordinator but because I have a first year quarterback I don't want to get complex with the play calls my play calls would be simple inside zone right. duo counter yeah. quarterback you, read you, where you dress it up you dress right. it up with formations and motions but with RPOs yeah. hey look man the window's open and the guy's off just catch it throw it we're all good right. you yeah. know so where he can get some easy throws mixed in there. They can't load the box, so we can just pull and throw it out. Uh, but you know, I, I'd want the plays, play calls to be a little bit more. Let's get him, let's get him going. I'm going to have one run to him. There's going to be some RPOs where either they empty the box out, or we give us good box numbers, and he just keeps handing off, and we run it right at you. Or you know, if they want to reduce in to play the run, he can just pull it and throw it out on a bubble screen or a quick hitch or a quick out, something like that on an RPO or a one-on-one shot. If they want to go eight in the box and you know, leave Braden Lindsay one-on-one to the field, take a shot, take an RPO shot, you know, or, yep, or something absolutely. like that. And the only play, the only pass call I would definitely call is I would probably call like a play action, you know, I, but I would, it wouldn't be my first play. I'd want to get a couple plays in before I would call a play action. Right. Uh, you know, get, establish that, Hey, we're running it at you. You know, exactly. you better come up and then otherwise play action. This what people don't understand about play. Play action doesn't work unless you have the threat of the run. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Otherwise you're just wasting your time. Right. Right. That's no fun. It's no fun. Right. Double pa- double pass, double reverse, hook it lateral, Statue of Liberty, triple reverse. <laughs> note, note to self, don't hire Ryan to call an He's your defensive. He's, he's a defensive yes. guy. That's what, you know. Uh, okay. Note made. Note made. What's going to happen is someone's going to be like, uh, Irish Breakdown said the Notre Dame should run a hook and ladder and the double reverse. And a, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Hey, every time someone runs a Statue of Liberty, it works. Just ask Boise State against Oklahoma, all right? Moving on. Moving on. Christopher Crosby with CJ Carr now committed for 2024. Do you guys know if he still plans to do seven on sevens and other camps? I don't think it matters where he should be ranked, but it's a good tool for him to recruit others. Don't I would worry, imagine he's so. others. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. But I mean, he did those things. Yeah. He did those yeah. things last year. I mean, and he'll probably do them again next year. I would imagine so. I would imagine yeah. so. I, w- I, w- I would have no reason to think that he wouldn't. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just all part of everything. I mean, that's just what. Yeah. Guys I mean, do. He, I mean, one, it's like it's a competitive kid, but also, I mean, the main point to your, to your point, Christopher, is that it's a big recruiting tool to be around those types of guys. So I agree. The thing to keep in mind is he did a lot of that stuff this year too. Like he competed mm-hmm. at the elite 11 down in Tennessee and he was by multiple outlets and one, including SI voted him as arguably the top performer there over guys like Nico was there. Brock Glenn was there. Some, some big names. It's just the elite 11 finals is only for seniors rising seniors. So he wasn't eligible to go to the finals, uh, but he shined in that. So yeah, I think we'll see that stuff next year. There's no doubt. Plus there's the, there's the pressures off of now. Will he do camps? I doubt he does camps. Like he's not. I don't think he's going to go to like to the the rivals Ohio camp, right? Like that's that's usually for un, you know, underclassmen. But as far as like the big seven on seven stuff and the elite eleven stuff and things like that, I imagine he'll do that stuff next year. No, no doubt. We'll see. We'll see CJ Carr at the elite eleven next year. In my absolutely, opinion. yeah, because he was pretty good at it this year. And that's like that's made for a kid like him. Yeah, right. That drop back like. Just accurate spinning you know? it yeah yeah exactly 
it's not a camp you're going to want like a like Phil Dracovic and Tyler Buckner and like there's a kid going to Florida State and Chris Parson who I love on film but like that's not the that's not some somebody texted me a buddy of mine texted me he's like man Avery Johnson's really struggling I'm like well yeah it's just that's not an Avery Johnson event exactly now, you know what I mean like yeah yeah, it's not an Avery Johnson event. Now, now get him moving around, also, man. Right, and we're, and we're right. talking. And exactly, we're talking. exactly. Uh, Tavis McKay rounding it out, pulling a John A. One today. Tavis says, Brian, if regular Mountain Dew was not an option, what next two flavors of Mountain Dew would you go? Would be your go-to? I probably wouldn't. No, I, I don't really like. Um, not, not I haven't a, tried not many. Not a Code Red guy. No, red? I, and I'm not really like a. I don't do like the diet things. I would just Baja Blast. I drink a lot of milk too. Um, I would just go to milk. I wouldn't. I, I the reason I like regular Mountain Dew is I just like the flavor of regular Mountain Dew. Like diet I used Mountain to like Dew Pepsi a lot, but I don't like Diet devil. Pepsi, Pepsi Colt, you know, Pepsi Cherry. I, I don't like any of those. Oh, yeah, diet like Mountain horrible. Dew is the devil. It's horrible. It yeah. tastes horrible. Yeah, I've never even had Diet Mountain Dew to be honest. Oh, I it. I, it was an I accident that I yeah, had it. That was, it was the same here, Vince. I had it by accident. It's horrible. <laughs> yes. What is this? What have I do? What have I done? Yeah, right. like growing right. up, Diet Pepsi and regular Pepsi came in two completely different looking cans. You couldn't yes. accidentally do that. Yeah, Diet Mountain Dew—it's just like a, an it's opposite. A, it's like a lighter it, color, yeah. but it still looks right. like if you're not paying attention, it looks like oh wow, that what what's that? You know, oh, what have I it done? Was, what yes. have I done? Brian, what's the uh, what's the preferred type of milk? I'm one percent, so I drink one percent milk. I'll tell you what, one of the hardest I'm things like I had to, one of the hardest things I had to do when I got married is is switch from two to one. Okay. So that was the. I had to do that because the doctor told me I had to do that. And well, I, I still don't understand why. My wife went to one. Or she she was a skimmer, and we met okay. in the middle. I can't do skimmer. No, it's water. So my, we met in the my, middle. Now I'm used yeah. to it, but like, because that was almost 20 years ago. But that I can only drink skim milk if I had to use it for like cocoa puffs or something. Or basically, when the it turns to the end and you drink anyway. some chocolate milk, it, it masks the. I can't, you know, from a yeah. visual standpoint. You pour it over your cereal. It's like, did I just pour water on my cereal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. I can't yeah. do it. Sorry, my 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 wife's lactose intolerance, so she's got the almond milk in the Ooh, house as well. Oh, that's not milk. Too sometimes, <laughs> my daughter's not it. milk. <laughs> that's almond juice. Yeah, I, I don't get. It. How, how do you get milk from a? Because you know, <laughs> it's oh. white. <laughs> almond milk's not even really that bad, if we're being honest. Well, it's but, fine. Yeah. It may be great. Yeah. I've never had it. It's yeah. not milk. It's <laughs> juice. I, I, sure, sure. Well, no, they make, they milk the almonds. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Another note. Don't have Ryan teach his daughter's <laughs> science class. <laughs> If, if your daughter is uh, getting, if you ever have to homeschool okay. your daughter at some point in time, let your wife handle the science classes, right? Oh, and the bio, especially the biology yeah. class. My, my wife's, I mean, my, my daughter is going to roll her eyes so much. When oh, she's yeah. Older. It's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. I can't There's wait. No <laughs> doubt. I already see it daily. That's okay. Oh, let's try to go back on uh, back on track because we're about we're we're about one more non football question away from this sucker being completely off the rails. Uh, Christopher Cross, we needed that after this crazy week. Yes, we Christopher did. Crosby says, Ryan, our running back room is pretty deep and talented, also very young. 24 has a bunch of great backs. What are the chances we take more than one? Hopefully one is Corey Smith. Love that kid's film. So, Ryan, uh, so two parts. Obviously, if you want to comment on Corey Smith, but yeah. then also what are the chances in 2024 that they're in takes a, a two backs? I mean, I guess the it's the running trend of the position, right? Because how many – I mean, how many – cycles in a row brian has it been two running backs right like i mean because they mm-hmm. want to get to two this year right they got right. two 
previous class. They got two previous class before that as well, right? Estime and Diggs. So so are you basically would, saying it depends if they get a second back in 23 or not? I think it depends if they get a second back in 23, and it also depends what the room looks like. It's it's tough to project, like, is every running back guaranteed that has more eligibility to be back for another one? Because at some point we're getting a very crowded room. So I would say it's possible, but I, I – I wouldn't be shocked if it stayed at one though in 2024. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't also wouldn't be overly shocked if it's 24. I'd say for me, I think just looking at numbers, maybe more likely it's one than two right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. I maybe. But to uh to the question about Corey Smith, kid's dynamic, man. Like I, mm-hmm. I um I compared him to Ronald Jones uh, a couple weeks ago. Like that's who he reminds me of. Ronald Jones was a explosive play waiting to happen when he played at USC and Dylan McCullough has a little experience with Ronald Jones. I think that's when you watch Corey Smith I mean, that kid glides in the open field, man. Like he can run for days. He averaged like nine yards a carry as a sophomore. He's a, nice he's got to calling easy. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be a four, four kid. Like he's, he's got, he's got a second gear. I, I like Corey Smith a lot. He's a dynamic weapon. And I, I think that he's, like the, we we continue now to see Notre Dame get those types of guys right. Like we talked about Chris Tyree a lot. Jadarian Price is the same brand of runner. Uh, even Jabron Payne has some of that in him, and I think Corey Smith is also that similar style. And I think Notre Dame likes that type of player. One cut, go. When you break into the when you get an angle, you're out. So, I I think if they get Jeremiah Love in this class and he starts at running back, I think they'll probably be at one. But look, there's always potential for roster shakeup. I mean, Chris Tyree's probably gone by the time the 24 class shows up. If there's another injury or somebody transfers, then I think that could open it up. But if if everything kind of goes according to plan, they get Jeremiah Love. I don't think they take a second back. If they get Jeremiah Love, if they don't get Jeremiah Love, then I think they'll push for a second back. That's what I think that they'll do. Um, You know, so and that kind of is a question too we had from Zach Martin Ryan. It says, does the Irish staff have a rough number they are looking to hit with the 2024 class? I think it's really way too early for that. Yeah, I, I mean, it just, it's so, it's so much so many dependent things on that. On who you land in tw- – I mean, you right. know, do you do you, do you you end up getting a fifth DB? Do you get a fourth right. linebacker? Do you get a sixth offensive lineman, which, you know, right now we, we don't see happening? Do you – you know, there's just so many – do you get a fifth receiver, which right now we don't necessarily see happening, right? I mean – there's just so many things that factor into that. You know, do you get Jeremiah Love or not? It, and then, and then on the other do, side, do you have the season that you have where guys leave, and right. you know, right? You know, do 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 the certain players play so well that they maybe leave earlier than you anticipate? Right. That's going to open up numbers. Do, do do are you able to convince a lot of guys to come back? Because if you can convince a, you know, a, a player that may leave, you can convince Brandon Joseph to come back. You're gladly going to take one less guy in 2024, right? I mean, because you sure. want that kind of impact player, so. There's just so much. The positions they've taken guys at now, it's like, well, yeah, you definitely need those guys, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. you, you know you're going to get a tight end, and that's your kind of your top guy on the board that you that you know you have a shot at. You know you need a quarterback. You're definitely going to take at least two defensive linemen, one inside, one outside-ish, and you know you need another receiver. Mm-hmm. You need more receivers. So those right. are no-brainer picks. They're not in a position where those are going to impact the numbers now. You know, receive if they if all of a sudden a bunch of receivers started wanted to commit, you you have to start figuring out like, okay, what are we going to do here? But that they're not in that they're not in that position just yet. No, nobody's yeah. really in that position this early. And we we did have kind of another question about it. Christopher Crosby said, "What would you guys set the over under for 2024 recruits by the time the season starts?" So let's go September third, mm-hmm. and they're up to what four or five? They're five now, five right? So CJ Carr, um, 
if CJ Carr, Cam Williams, Jack Larson, and the two defensive linemen, Owen Wafel and Brandon Davis Swain. So they got five right now. So over, over under, I would say, if I'm setting for, it from, yeah, for to, over under a total number. Yeah, including the players that are already committed, right? Correct. Or so just total number here. in the class. So like if five and a half means they add, and you think they're going to add, add one more. That kind of thing, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I'll say seven and a half is the over under. Yeah, I, I think they're kind of. I think they're kind of close to being done on twenty four for now. By the time the season starts, I, so you so you would take the under. I take the under. the under. Yeah, I'd say maybe they add one or two, maybe. But I think right now they're they kind of you know we'll have to see. I think they want to try to really finish July strong with the guys that are in the twenty three class. That's fair. I think right now, and and they got the guys they really wanted and needed. Like like got like Brandon Davis Swain wasn't necessarily a guy they were anticipating getting that early. Right. Like you just took him because he wanted to come that early and you were going to take him. You know, it's not like they pushed him into the class. Same mm-hmm. with CJ Carr, same with Jack Larson and Cam Williams. These aren't guys in Notre Dame pushed into the class. These are guys that just wanted to be here. And then once CJ committed, those dominoes started to fall. So that's going to be the interesting thing is if all of a sudden some receivers start wanting to jump on board, that could, that could get things a little bit, a little bit interesting, fellas. For sure. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. got some more questions down here uh oh yeah guys, we got a lot of, a lot of questions. <laughs> here's an interesting one john a1 says which 11 players are you playing on defense based on pure athletic ability so now let's answer this question this way it has to be at the position they play correct you know, like the 11 best athletes like, so i, I like, can't i can't put tyler buckner as a rover yeah is it's like three linebackers you know my nose guard is jalen sneed no guys <laughs> at their position now you're uh, talking at, at, at the 11 so ryan i'll let you go ahead and take first oh, shot gosh. at this one Sure, sure. Sure. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so Cam Hart at corner. I'll start record. I'm gonna start secondary and move my way up. Mm-hmm. So Cam Hart at corner. Yes. I'm gonna say I'll say Barnes at, at the other corner. Safeties, Ramon Henderson, and Xavier Watts. I get uh is he a better athlete than Joseph, you think? Watts? Yeah, probably. All right, then I'll go. I'll go Watts. But I think that's the first big move for me, right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, let's do this all together because I I would go Watts and Joseph as my safeties. The other two I would agree Mm -hmm. with. So it just it's just all a pure athletic Mm -hmm. ability, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think, but here's my question. I think there I has still, to be some still, football involved. I still don't yeah. know what Moan's all-around skills, athletic skill set is other than just being really fast. Like, yeah, that's yeah. a you know to me that's a quite like I care more about a safety that's agile, that's loose, that can do all those things as opposed to guys just fast. And I so I think Ramon's a little bit more of an uh, still a little bit more of an unknown in regards to his all-around athletic ability. Okay, but, I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm so. I'm good. I'm good with. Like like Vince said, I'm good with going with Brandon Joseph and Xavier Watts. Then. Would we all agree there. that there's not a wrong answer among those three? Oh, th- that's sure. the point of this yeah. conversation, sure. I think, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are your corners, Vince? 
Uh, Hart and Barnes. Ryan, you took the same two. Hart yeah. and Barnes. If yeah. we're just going pure athleticism, um, I'm going Hart and Bracey. Tariq Bracey's the best athlete Notre Dame has a cornerback. Oh, I'm playing sub package. He's my nickel. Yeah, he's your nickel. Okay. <laughs> cheater. That was a cheater. That was such a cheating remark. And my my next corner. <laughs> but he did it so gracefully. I know. Like, oh, of course. I mean, it, it, of course he's there. He's, he's my nickel. Sense, right? he, it, oh, that was so about. well done. That was, that was so beautifully done, Ryan. Um, <laughs> I'm going so uh, if in my nickel package, uh, my other corner is going to be one of the freshmen. It's going to be Mickey. It's just pure athleticism. It's going to be Mickey or Morrison. If we're going, I love Ryan Barnes as a player, but I think Ryan's uh, is uh, it's about instincts. It's about length. It's about those type of things as opposed as opposed to just pure athleticism. Um, I would argue that the freshmen are the the two best athletes at corner uh, behind Hart. It's such a hard conversation though to like take the football talent out of it. You know what I mean? Well, but instincts and that stuff should factor into athleticism. That's you know, I mean, you can you can take it that way. Like that's what happens with football talent. But I'm trying to to honor John's question of pure athletic ability. Right. And that's what I'm trying to get at. So like linebacker. uh, Well, this is, this is where I'm having a little trouble though. Ready? Yeah. This is a legitimate question. Mm -hmm. Can I put Jalen Sneed in at will? That's my question. He's playing Rover right now. Can I put him at will? Sure. Okay. Well, that's easier for me then. Marist, Jalen Sneed. I'm putting Marist at Mike. Cause like, okay, Okay. cool. Marist and Mike, Jalen Sneed at will. And I'm putting, um, What's his name at uh, Rover? His name Jordan, is uh, Tariq Bracey. Patello. 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 So you have two Rovers? What? Two Rovers. You, can, so you only real. play 11 at a time, brother. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You said I can use Jalen Sneed. No, no. I'm saying you if, just if, when, listed... I, when, I go, when I go sub, then yeah. Bracey comes in for This is 11 uh, players. Yes. 11, you have to pick well, a package. Then, then Bracey's, Bracey's not in the, on the field right now. So I'm playing with a Rover and, and Batelho's on there. So. Yeah. So Ryan has the best I'm just, athlete I'm just, corner on the bench. Okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying, trying to be prepared, Brian. Okay. Just trying to be prepared. You. The reality is, Tariq Bracy and Cam Hart are, by in my opinion, by far the best athletes at corner, like just pure athletes. Uh, but so if I'm going to go with a three linebacker alignment, Vince, who are you? Who are you going with? If we're going, going to go with a three linebacker alignment. Who are you going with? I'm going with Marist at will. I'm going with Junior at. Middle, and I'm going with Batelho at Rover. So you're sticking to guys at the positions they're yes. at now. I'm, okay. I, 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 I have a really hard time with. There's this all question, types of different ways. But to yeah, go with that's it. the I mean, way I'm can, doing. You guys it, can yes. look at it however you want. That's part of the fun of it. Sure, year, right. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so you stuck, keep guys <laughs> in their positions. Yeah, and then pick the. Okay, that's fair. And you said Jalen Sneed at Rover. I said Batello at Rover. Batello at Rover. Yeah, Jalen Sneed's a better athlete than Jordan Batello. Yeah, probably right about that. For that, for that position, you're probably right for that position, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going Prince Kali. I'm doing a little bit of what my, uh, Ryan did. I'm going uh, for just pure athleticism. I mean, I'm here's here's an interesting thing. I don't know if Jalen Snee's the most most athletic freshman linebacker right now. Everything I've heard about Nolan Ziegler is he is insanely athletic. Like even more, like way more athletic than the Notre Dame coaching staff thought he was going to be. Uh, he run. He doesn't run with the linebackers. He runs with the DBs in sprints because he just kills the linebacker. He just smokes the linebackers. So I'm going with Jalen or Nolan Ziegler at Rover, one of those two. I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit like Ryan did, so depending on who, who I want to get. I'm going to move Prince Collie over to Mike and go with Marist at will. I think that's my most athletic group. Because instead of putting Marist at Mike, I don't love Marist at Mike. I think you, I, w- I would limit him a little bit on just how rangy he could be because you got to keep him in the box a little bit more. 
So if I'm just if I can move guys around, I'm going to put Maris at will, keep Maris at will, and I'm going to put um, I'm going to put Prince Collie at Mike. If we're just talking pure athleticism. So, but I, you know, I'm tempted to put one of the freshmen inside too, right? But I'm going to go with a, a rover. I'm going to go the four two five with a, with a rover there. Okay, here's the bit. Here's I mean, okay, can we we all know who the Viper is, right? I mean. I think we all agree that that, that uh, you can't have them at four different positions, Ryan. <laughs> Got to pick a position, man. Well, now, now um, I'm in. Now, now I'm in. Uh, um, now I'm in sub. So <laughs> off the field now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> hey Vince, can you see what he's drinking over there? Oh my sure. god! I want to make sure, Ryan. Can it's you add Vince? Strawberry, it's, an, it's an unmarked cup. It's an unmarked cup. Okay. Okay. Strawberry lemonade, sir. Okay. Yeah, sure. sure. It's got a little bit of sting to it today. I don't drink on the job. I don't know okay, good. Jordan Patel is a starting free safety, Rover, Mike, <laughs> and Viper. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, who's Vince? Who's your defensive line? Well, obviously, Foskey is going to be my Viper. That's a no-brainer, right? Um, I, I still think Jason is a kid I'm going to put um, in the middle at nose. Oh, man, the three technique is going to be the hard one for me as far as just athlete is concerned. Um, because I'm going to put uh, Aaronsberger out at uh, the big end. And you know what? I think I'm going to move. Uh, I'm going to move Justin inside. I'll let him be yeah. athletic in the middle. I'll okay. have the twins in the middle. Wow, Vince is definitely in a sub package at this point. Yes, he is. why not, baby? Why not? You said athletic. I'm going athletic. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna get about 300 rushing yards a game and a bunch of 250 pound nose got, tackles. And okay, I, I got Junior. I got okay. Junior back there. He'll go. clean it all, all up right, for me. Don't right, worry. All right. I'm I'm cheating again a little bit. Okay. I also want Aaronsberger as my strong side end. Okay. I want Foskey as my Viper. I'm moving Riley Mills inside at nose, oh, actually, because I want to keep Jason Adam Alola at three tech. Forgot yeah. Riley Mills. I like your inside, Ryan. I would have Jason Adam Alola and Riley inside. Yeah. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have some fun with this though. Now that that we're we're I'm gonna go with uh Isaiah Foskey's gonna be my big end. Oh, and if we're again, we're talking pure athleticism. There's not a better athlete on the defensive line, in my opinion, than Josh Burnham. And the next guy after him would be Aiden Gobira. So one of those two. If we're working with the assumption that Jordan Patojo is a rover, if Jordan Patojo is a defensive lineman, then he I mean, in all seriousness, he's the Viper. And I'm putting Foskey at big end. Right. Sure. If we're going to really get down to this kind of thing. So. Um, so you did yes. like my you did like my Patello at at end. I didn't like the fact that you put him in like five different <laughs> positions. Like you, know what I mean? like you can't play five gonna, positions. He's going to be a corner in the you red know, zone. Too. So it's like Ryan gives his list. It's like Jordan Patello and six other guys. I go, well, where's the other? Well, Jordan Patello's playing all of them. I, I have I, I have high hopes for the Swiss Army knife that is okay. Jordan Patello. Okay. Okay. I hope you're right. It. it this is one, you know, Shane, these are ones I really wish people would put these on the message board because they just take so much thought of of it. Who are some of the recruits you regret not, Notre Dame not getting over the years? I mean, to me, it, with our age, it begins and ends with Randy Moss. I mean, that that's really where it, it boils down to. But, man, I've heard they, so many they, stories about how Notre Dame got Randy, though, right? I mean, yeah, for, but they didn't yeah. get him. He never actually showed up on campus, right? Sure. But, like, sure. The, Notre Dame ran out of scholarships for Javon Curse. You guys remember this you guys ever hear this story no. they, ran, they 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 needed they had one scholarship left and they needed another offensive lineman so they all they took an offensive lineman and, and didn't take javon curse um, that's good 
Jonathan Ogden was really close to picking Notre Dame oh. and then ultimately flipped, you know, went to UCLA. I mean, so there's some great ones from back in the day. Uh, when you think about those, like recent history, Karloftis, that's one. Allen I mean, Iverson. Know, yeah. <laughs> no, hey, look. That, Can you imagine Iverson and, and Randy Moss on the same team? Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. That would have been a lot. The run, question would have been the triple option. Would, yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the only question with Bubba Chuck would have been where he plays. Is he quarter? Is he, is he, is he running the option as a quarterback? Cause he was a freaky option. Oh, quarterback. Phenomenal. Is he playing corner? Yeah. He's a great, corner. great corner. Yeah. Great corner. Or do you put him as like the flanker opposite Randy Moss at, at the, the X, right? You know what I mean? Cause back then the X was the current W, you know, do you put him at split yeah. end? And Randy and and Bubba Chuck's the flanker, or it, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different things you could do with it. Sure. So that would have made that. Um, that that would have made fun. that real interesting. That's a bit fun. That's you a know? good problem to have. That's what. Yeah. You, that's what you call yeah. that. Yeah. yeah I mean, another one. Another one for me, Brian. Just on our conversations is, I know you said that the staff did not have as high of opinion they probably should have on Clark Phillips, who is yeah. now at Utah, and. Man, the cornerback conversation right now would be so much different if you had Clark Phillips on the other side yeah. of Cam Hart right now. I'm I'm gonna give you another one. Imagine if Notre Dame actually would have landed Ronald Darby, like True. they should have. True. You know, um, that would have been a lot of fun. Imagine if they would have kept their 2017 corner class together of Paulson Adebo and um, Elijah Hicks, and then Thomas Graham. Mm-hmm. You know, and if that if your depth chart in 2018, when when uh, Julian Love goes down against Clemson in the in the playoff game, if you're throwing Paulson Adebo in there or Thomas yep. Graham in there, my as num- opposed to an injured Dante Vaughn, you know, yeah. my num- my number one because I know that they didn't rec- they didn't really recruit him was Luke Keekley, and it always be yeah. Luke Keekley because he is my favorite player probably of all time, so. and he would have come to them. I mean, he would have he would have uh, definitely come to in a heartbeat. Game. Yeah, could you imagine Luke Keekley and Manti? playing side by side for three to four years that would have been so disgustingly good gosh so good Uh, but there's like a long i mean there'd be a such a long list and then you know and then there's guys they got that they didn't keep you know quarterback you know recent history Mm. you know um but yeah there's a lot of do you know did you guys know that maurice claret almost committed notre dame when he was a sophomore an underclassman not did not yeah he almost Hmm. committed notre dame when he was a younger player and then Ohio State ended up winning winning that one in the end. But, yeah, he had uh, some academic issues that resulted in him having to wait a little bit. And by the time he waited, it was – Ohio State had scooped him up. And Because uh, I think I think when he was – when he was originally going to commit to Notre Dame, Trestle wasn't the coach yet. Oh, uh, okay. Because remember, he was a freshman in year two under Trestle when they won the title. So this would have been, before I think, the year before Trestle got there because it was when he was like a sophomore – um, I, I, as, as I believe when it was going to be the case. So, yeah, that would have been really how, interesting. How about uh, A.J. Dillon is another one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? See, here's the thing about A.J. Dillon. He was part of the 2017 class. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine him running behind that Notre Dame offense? Oh. Him and Josh Adams is the one-two punch at running back in, in 17. And then him and Dex are the running back combination in 2018? Thunder are you kidding Lightning. me? <laughs> Oh my gosh! And then Tony Jones, who I love, Tony Jones, but Tony Jones averaged almost six yards a carry in 2019, right? Against mm-hmm. that schedule, could you imagine what AJ Dillon would have done with that? Exactly. And then you got Chase Claypool on the outside, Cole Komet in the slot, and then AJ Dillon running down the field, like or running up the middle. Oh my gosh! And all because Autry Denson told him he wasn't a running back. 
He's a linebacker, right? Yeah. <laughs> After he smoked every running back. I mean, I watched this with my own eyes, guys. Vince, I actually think – were you there? You were there for that. You weren't doing the Gatorade stuff for the Irish Invasion in 2017? Oh, I was there. Yeah, I was there. And he smoked, including C.J. Holmes, mm-hmm. who they wanted, and Deion Jackson, who was a good running back. In coming I went to Duke. Yeah. yeah. He smoked every one of those dudes mm-hmm. in the forty in the fifty yard sprint because they wouldn't race from like midfield to the end yeah. zone and then back. Smoked them all like this big old thick calves and legs. And Audrey Denson telling him, uh, "You're more of a linebacker." Mike AJ, Denbrock was so pissed about that. It's only because he didn't want his record to be broken. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> AJ Dillon ran like AJ Dillon ran like four five one at the combine at like two hundred forty plus pounds. My God, unbelievable. It's just so stupid. And that's the thing that bothers me is there's so many of those type of unforced errors, you know, mm-hmm. or just like, why, 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 why would you do that? Like, why would you say that? You know, like not thinking George Karloftis is good enough to play for you. I'm like, did, did you see who you guys took in those <laughs> classes? Like, you know, you, you couldn't have had him be your third end if, you know, just silliness. silliness. And he goes in the first round. <laughs> yes. Absolute silliness. Just so ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's get down to some more here. Sean Kane, because of the COVID year, does Zeke Carell have three years of eligibility remaining? If you include 2022, yes. Because So technically, Zeke will have six years. Mm-hmm. Because basically, every kid who was on their roster before, 29, before 2020 that took a red shirt, you add another red shirt. So basically, Zeke was on the team in 19. That was his redshirt season. 20 doesn't count. So when you get to 2021 this past year, technically, Zeke Carell was a redshirt freshman this past year, eligibility-wise. I know he played multiple games in 2020, but it doesn't count. It's just a completely lost year. That's the reason Kurt Heinisch came back. Kurt Heinisch literally played at least like nine or ten games in four years. That's how I have to look at the COVID. The COVID year literally counted for no one. You just can choose to either take advantage of it or not. It counted for no one. So Zeke Carell, and that's the crazy thing is Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner have – Tyler Buckner has fewer seasons of eligibility remaining than Drew Pine. Think about that. So uh, it's a, a, a little nuts, to be honest with you. So, yes, he does have – and so does Andrew Kristoffic as well. Right, Because right. he's in that class. <clears throat> All right, Chris Crosby uh, says, um, what would you guys set the over-under for 2024? Oh, we already did that one. Excuse me. My apologies. Uh, here we go. Here's a good one. Uh, Ryan, we'll, we'll start with you here on this one. Andrew Goss mm-hmm. says, what are the expectations of a Harry Heastan offensive line? Will they be up to the HH standards by OSU? Uh, what areas can improve the most? What player do you think improves the most over the offseason? So let's go one at a time, and we'll go Ryan, you first, then Vince. Okay. So what are the oh, big picture? And, and to me, mm-hmm. the, the first one is the two together. What sure. are the expectations of an, of a Harry Heaston offensive line? And will they end up um, to that standard by the opener? I mean, they're going to be better, right? Like, I mean, it's impossible that they're worse. They'll, they'll take a huge step forward. I think you're definitely going to see more of the long-term dividends by the end of the season, where I would say it's up to the Harry Heaston standard at that point. Right. But I think that it's definitely going to be improved from last season. I would, I'd be very surprised if they weren't a better team in game one than they were at any point last season. I don't think that that's too much of a stretch. That's not a stretch at all. Are you kidding me? Like that's exactly what I anticipate happening. I, I don't look they They need to work on 
across the board, they need to work on everything. I mean, that from where they were last year to where they're going to be this year, they got to work on everything. And it starts with fundamentals and it goes from there. But I think the expectation is they're going to be a top five offensive line in the country. And I think that they're going to be markedly better by Ohio State. No question about it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I, I, I got it. I think for me, <laughs> appreciate it. You guys were quick to like both of them. Like, <laughs> um, I think for me, I, I expect the will they be up to Harry Heastan standards by Ohio State? In some areas, they better be, and and because of Harry Heastan's expectations. And and what I mean by that, it's more of how you play. It's the toughness, the physicality, the 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 finishing, like that. That stuff should be there by game one. Absolutely. Where I'm on board with also with what Ryan says is mm-hmm. I don't expect this team to have maximized their technical precision by game one. That's true for a lot of teams. Uh, in, in my opinion, there are a lot of teams that I think uh, will you could look at and say, hey, um, veteran teams, the 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 2017 offensive line, they made some technical mistakes in the Georgia game because it's early in the year. That's going to happen. Uh, but the big thing for me is I just need to see them uh, step up and to be a physical team. That's the key. That's the standard needs to be met the most for me. And I think that kind of guys goes into the second part. What areas can they improve the most? I think, do we all agree that the physicality is the biggest, the biggest one just because absolutely. So we can agree on that. So Ryan, my next question would be is what are the technical areas that you, that you need to see this line improve upon to where you say, okay, now they're playing like a Harry Heastan offensive line. I mean, I think you mentioned it already, right? It's like playing through the whistle and it's playing through the man. I think when you're talking about, especially like combo blocks, like you have to displace, right? Like that's displacement power. So I think it's just running feet on contact, playing through the whistle, playing through your man and being more aggressive as far as resetting the line of scrimmage. Like I think that's the biggest thing for me is to more proactiveness and physicality in that, in that department. Mm Mm-hmm. How about you, Vince? It's it's reestablishing the line of scrimmage. It's not catching. It's taking the fight to the defense. Like we didn't see that at all. You know what I mean? And so there's an aggressive piece to that, but and then it's it's a footwork issue. It's it's all the things that Ryan just said. But from a just a watching it on TV standpoint, they have to move the line from the original line of scrimmage in their favor. That that just did not happen uh, before, and that needs to change. I think that the, another thing is they were really bad when it came to timing on combo blocks to the point where they almost never hardly ever got up to the second level. Like Jared Patterson is about the only guy that I remember getting up to the second level, like no worth anything last year. I had no feel for it at all. No. I think that's another thing that you should be able to see early on. Cause that's something that there's nothing that Harry, he the two things Harry, he practices more than anything are drive and combos. I mean, you just watch Vince, you've been a million practices where Harry, he as a coach it's drive minimum 10 yards. I think it's 10 or is it 20? I think it's 10, right? Minimum 10. It'll throw away ways. Yeah. yeah. And then it's the, com- they work a ton on combos and, and pass game combos, run game combos, double teams where you're just driving. Uh, what I mean, run game combos is like, you know, handling twists in the run game, twists and stunts. And then there's just a pure, just drive, get off, drive, get off. They work on that stuff a ton. Every a single ton. practice. Yeah. And then what player do you guys think improves the most over the off season? Ryan, again, we'll, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with Zeke Carell on this one. I, I think that it's not as – I mean, it definitely has a lot to do with Harry Heastan. I don't want to phrase this incorrectly. I think it's just getting back to the natural center position, which is going to be huge for him, to be honest with you. And then I also think it's coupled that with the fact that 
you're going to have Harry Heaston as your coach. So if he's able to grab that center spot full time and is indeed the starter moving forward, I, I expect a big, big jump from Z Corral this year. Uh, that's a really good one. I, I'm going to say Josh Lug because I think people have forgotten about Josh Lug and how good of an interior player that he can be because he was playing out of position at tackle last year and it showed. And you you add in the tutelage of Harry Heastan and Chris Watt, and then you add in the fact that he's going to a position that he's more naturally suited for. I think fans are going to be like, oh, I forgot Josh Lug was actually a really good player. And so I think he improves in the eyes of fans an awful lot playing guard. I'm I'm gonna go Blake Fisher. The reason I say that is because he played so little, right? I mean, yeah. he was still a, a freshman that only yeah game and a half. <laughs> you know, he's gonna go from that to I think you know I, I, it wouldn't shock me. I don't want to put this on him too early because you know Jared Patterson's there, Josh Lug, like you guys saw, you know Joe Walt's pretty good player, but it wouldn't. So I'm not saying this is. I'm just gonna say I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the year Blake Fisher's their best lineman which you couldn't say he played a game and a half last year, right? I mean, now, if he would have played all year, my answer would be different. Uh, you know, my answer would probably be Zeke Carell. It's probably my, my runner-up might be Josh Lug, But I, I think Josh has room for improvement, but I think Josh is a little bit more he, – he's more experienced. I don't know if Josh is going to get a lot better from a dominant standpoint. I think more, with Josh, it's more about just, just play consistently, right? When Josh – and Ryan, you and I have talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but we've talked about this. When Josh Lug was playing within himself last year, he was a pretty pretty good player, especially in the run game. He was a pretty solid player. Mm-hmm. He had technical issues that got him in trouble, like that ridiculously pass set that they taught were teaching last year, which was like the dumbest thing I've ever seen of. Like get your six, seven, 295, 305 pound offensive lineman on his heels. You know what I mean? Like it's like they were trying to teach a straight vertical pass set, like vertical didn't know how set, to yeah. teach it. Like, but they yeah. didn't know how to teach it. It was the weirdest thing I ever saw in my life. Like it was so dumb. But those are just kind of technical. He's not going to become like he's not going to look like Quentin Nelson all of a sudden. Uh, but but he was solid last year for he dumb penalties and and then he'd have to get. But he was a solid player. Zeke Carell was awful last year, and I think Zeke's going to be good. Like I think Zeke's going to have a good year. It, so to me, the reason I say Zeke is because he's coming from the furthest back. True. You know, like if Andrew Kristoffic wins a starting job and he's a good player, okay, he was a pretty solid player last year. Like that's not a huge improvement. Sure. Joe Walt is steady and doesn't give up any sacks. Like, okay, yeah, sure. That's what he did as a freshman, right? Like, you know, I to me, Zeke is – Blake is from just lack of playing time, and then Zeke is – he was pretty rough last year. I think he's going to make a big jump and be a really good player. What what, what if uh, – what? Would your opinion change at all if I – I mean, I'm not going to – obviously, this isn't a guarantee, but if I could guarantee that Joel goes from steady good to all-American level, then would your conversation completely change there? I wouldn't call that a huge improvement, though. You don't think so? I would just say that's sort of a natural progression of a guy that was really good. I mean, if we go back and study Joe's film last year, he was really man. good. Yeah. And he was really good. So I don't know if all-American would be necessarily a giant leap. To, and here's why, because he was already pretty good. It's a big leap for a kid to go from six game starter to all American. Sure. But what I'm saying is Zeke was bad. And that that's so you, you know, like Sorry. Ryan. So like that's where I'm kind of if Zeke is just a good player, that's way better than what he was last year. You know, and I think he will be. I think Zeke Zeke, there's a lot of reasons I think Zeke struggled last year. And yep. and and some people have written him off, and I get all that. But I, I really think if if he can stay healthy, and this is a big if, I really think Zeke Carroll could be a really good football player. I do too. I, really I love Zeke. I, he's one of my favorite players, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't want to 
since since our buddy here grabbed him first, I didn't want to go down that road. But I mean, look, I, there's there's no reason you can't pick the same guy. I love Zeke. I, I I absolutely love him, and I think that again, he he got kind of a not a raw deal because I like the fact that they gave him an opportunity at guard. I just don't think he was supported enough, to be mm-hmm. honest. I don't think he got the support to play that position at a high level. And then you add into just the. I think there was some mental, you know, lapses and things of that nature. And it just compiled and compiled and compiled. And at that point it was like, okay, we're it's need to make a change. And yeah. thank they did, you know, but I think he's going to be a fantastic center. Somebody asked a question. I think it was yesterday in the chat, you know, who's going to take over for center after Patterson. I'm like, uh, it's already happening. Yeah. yeah Zeke's going to be here for three more years. Yeah. Like, time. Yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.